Welcome, 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 welcome to Adulting is Hard. This is your host, James Means. And do y'all know how hard it is to sit here and try to like just planning you're going to talk to yourself and then you have company that's just sitting there watching you record your podcast? It's, it's different and it's fine because Brit's in here and, and it's fine. But yeah, I was just all I was like, I'm about to, I'm about to be I'm going to have the, the energy and do this podcast and then you got somebody looking at you in your face like what you about to do but welcome to adulting is hard and um today i listen i did not want to have what i bring to you on a weekly or semi-weekly or every other weekly basis i didn't want it to just totally be real estate all the time. That's what I do. I do want you guys to know and understand what I do. But that's not the premise of why I did this. But today, guess what it's about? Today is about real estate. And um, it's important it's about real estate because if you know, like I know you, you would buy a home. You'd be in the market today. Like there's an urgency about it that many people don't appreciate. And um you know, as I was thinking about this, as I was researching what I was going to share, I had noticed even Dave Ramsey agrees with me. And I have nothing bad. I don't have anything bad to say about Dave Ramsey. Like, I respect him. Um, he's helped a lot of people get into better financial shape. And sometimes it's kind of harsh. And sometimes we need that harsh. Um, we need that that tough love. Because Dave Ramsey would say, you need to get you a house on a 15-year amortization and pay that sucker off in 15 years, which is great advice. The thing is, that 15-year amortization makes your payment double of what it would normally be. And for the most part, if you are trying to get into your first home and you've been renting, um, you know what could be comfortable for you is to get into a mortgage payment that is the same amount or close to or maybe a little bit more than your rental payment. So as soon as you do a 15 year amortization, you you double that. But I'm not against it because if you are a couple and you have two incomes, you can set yourself up, try to live off one of those incomes and do a 15 year amortization. because listen, that 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 time goes by fast. How many of you got kids? You got a kid right now. I don't know how old your kid is, but you look at your kid and be like, yeah, he's eight. This time has flown by. I can't believe he's already eight. That's how fast 15 years will fly by. So if you can do it, do it. You build equity quicker. Um, you put yourself in a better position because, listen, this is the other thing that I learned for Dave, Dave Ramsey. This is not the Bash Dave Ramsey podcast. It's not. So I respect you, Dave. If you are ever listening to this, um, I'm not bad mouthing you at all. But um, I heard Dave Ramsey said that your, um, you know, the 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 wealth generator for you is your ability to create income, right? And as long as you always have some kind of recurring payment that you're always going to have, you'll never be able to build wealth the way that you you should do it, right? And so what are those things? It's typically a car payment. If you feel like you always have to have a car and you always have a car payment, there's 600 to $800 of your life or your monthly income that you always devote to a car payment that you can never use to anything else, right? And at some point, if you didn't have a car payment and you saved that, you can just pay for cash. You pay for the car cash the next time, right? So that's how it is about the car. But about the house, you pay for a house in 15 years, 
there are plans you can start to make. You can make plans to buy the next house and put a humongous down payment on it, pay that one off in 15 years. And what if the second house that you have is paid off um, within 10 or 15 years? And if you don't buy another house again, what more could you do with your income if your lodging and your travel were if the costs were zero? I mean, how much more freedom and flexibility would that open up? Like, think about. Think about the fact that um, think about the fact that retirement is not necessarily an age that you get to, but retirement is when you have enough income to pay your uh, expenses and you have that income coming in a way where you don't you don't have to work for it. Okay. Um, and so let's just say let's just call that mortgage payment fifteen hundred dollars and call your car payment um seven hundred dollars what's that twenty two hundred dollars so if your expenses were less twenty two hundred dollars a month would you have to work the way that you're working now like couldn't you just do some stuff that you just wanted to do like look i don't really want to i don't really want to work like that this week i'm just gonna get a little part-time job because now all my expenses are the utilities and um you know some car insurance and stuff like that like it's total game changer right but anyway, because that's not what I was going to talk about, because what I start off as saying is that even Dave Ramsey is uh, agreeing with me <laughs> like Dave Ramsey listened to me. But, yeah, Dave, Dave Ramsey agrees with me that you need to be in the market buying a home right now. Um, I think his exact quote was in the next five years, you should expect home prices to increase every year for the next five years, at least. And that if you could be in a home right now, you should do it. And I found that interesting. But here here's where I'm coming from. I want you to understand the background I'm coming from. I, I want you to know that when I say this, it's not in a salesmanship type way. Um, I'm saying this as a practicing real estate professional that has been doing this for over nine years. Um, in just the residential area and 19 years in total, if you count commercial and finance experience, um, I say this as someone that has been in the market every day, helping and advising clients with their real estate matters. And also I say this realizing that wherever you're hearing this, you may not necessarily be in an area where I can even assist you in your real estate needs. So I'm, I'm not trying to sell you. I'm not. Um, necessarily trying to uh, drum up business for me, although that would be great. Don't not discounting that. If you need real estate assistance, I do want you to reach reach out. I'm in South Carolina, um, but I I just I'm trying to balance you out. I'm trying to give you some background of what I do, the years of experience, and um, that I'm not trying to sell you. I'm trying to help you. Um, see, I'm saying this, and I'm trying to let you know that I'm making an effort to be impartial when I say this. You need to buy a home and you need to be in residential real estate. Here's why. Um, I'm saying this as a homeowner that has purchased four homes in my lifetime. I am, I'm, what am I, 40? I'm 40 years of age. Um, I'm saying this as a person that was a first-time homeowner who bought his first home at a 6% interest rate in 2007. 
And what a lot of let's talk about the 2007. That was at what was arguably the worst possible time because it was at the top of the market. Um, in 2008, we had a recession that was almost entirely driven by the residential real estate being over inflated. There were inflated values of real estate. There was mortgage lending credit quality concerns. And so that's when I bought, like I bought and then the real estate market just bottomed out. Um, as soon as I purchased my home within about a year, that recession happened. I, lo I lost a lot of value. But you know what? Here's the thing. When that happened, it didn't matter for me because when I bought my home, I bought it for what was going to be at least a five year plan. That five year plan. I did not plan on moving within the last the next five years when I bought my home. Um, I had a I had a solid job. I had a career I was working in. And so my decision to buy a home wasn't predicated of, oh, well, if the values fall next year, I won't be able to get what I thought I was going to get from my home. No, I bought my home because I needed I needed to live somewhere and I knew it made more sense to just own it versus renting it. But um, so when, when, when I got ready to do something else, I could sell it because my my value was back because I wasn't counting on, oh, I'm going to buy now and next year the value is going to be more and I'm just going to make it. No, I, that. I bought the home because I knew for the next three to five years, I was probably going to be there. And I wasn't worried about the real estate values because I knew the real estate marketplace has ups and downs. And at some point it was going to be back up. Um, I'm also saying this to you as a person that has purchased. Um, I purchased my second home in October 2017. October 2017, maybe 2018, but that was a rehab. Um, and the rehab, it, it was, there are many people looking over this home. Actually, this home, I, <laughs> this home I sold to a client and during the inspection period, he pulled out of the deal. And I literally said to him, I, I said, listen, if you don't buy this now, I will. And he was like, that's fine. I'm, I'm pulling out the deal. And I was like, okay. Because you, you understand the equity and what you're what you're giving up. And he said, yeah, I'm fine. So I bought that home. And at the time, that home, it was being overlooked by everyone. And here's why. And this, this is why I'm telling you, because, listen, I'm, I'm hopefully you are you're listening right now and you are the millennial. You are Generation Y. Right. And the thing that we have we have noticed about our cohorts that are a little bit younger than us, you are like an instant gratification group of individuals. Like you want it already done. You want it finished. You want it looking nice. And that's why everybody was looking over my second house. So in 2017 or 2018, whenever I bought this house, here's what it needed. It needed foundation repair. So the back corner of the house where the dining room was, the walls had um, cracks in them. The foundation had cracks in it. So it needed foundation work. And a lot of people view that as, oh, that's a big thing. I need to, you know, I don't, I don't want that. It needed two HVAC units. Um, what else did it need? Um, it needed a whole house painting. It needed new flooring. 
Um, but those were those were just what it needed was an HVAC and a foundation stabilization. So I bought that home with a rehab loan. I made the repairs and the improvements. And when I closed, I had immediately $40,000 in equity. So that means what I bought it for and then what I put in it to fix the foundation with, by the way, was a lifetime it was a lifetime guarantee on the foundation work. So I wasn't worried about the foundation ever again. Um, so I bought the house, put probably $30,000 in it, um, painted everything, redid the master bathroom, did a bunch of stuff. And so when I even when I did all of that, I still had $40,000 in equity in it. So we closed on that house in October of um, 2017. And then we did a 45 day rehab, roughly um, 45 days rehab. And then so we moved in uh, Black Friday of November 2017. Why do I want to think this was 2018? But anyway, it was it was we moved in Black Friday. So like the day after Thanksgiving. And so um, 10 months later, because it was within a year. And this is now I'm starting to get into this is the good stuff. Um Within a year of moving into that home, that Black Friday in November, I came home from working with one of my clients and I told my wife, we needed to buy another house. And mind you, we had just moved in less than a year ago. Um, and that was more or less to get more space with the addition because we had my daughter was being born because um, we moved in Black Friday of that November. She was born December 20th. So less than 30 days after we moved in, she she was born. And so within 10 months of being there, I told my wife, hey, we got to buy something else. And that that was not our plan. So notice I just said, hey, five years needs to be your horizon if you're going to move into a home. Yes, that is the logic that you should use. But I'm going to tell you the basis for all of my, you know, my ramblings to my wife. And I'm glad that she actually listened to me. She actually listened to me, which is that doesn't happen very often. But I think she knew because you know his real estate he probably knows what he's talking to talking about so she went along with me so anyway um so she said why i mean we just we just moved here and i said well listen um i've i've been observing kind of the market because we're within 10 months so we're you know close to the time that we bought again but i said listen if we don't do something soon we are not going to be able to afford what we ultimately will want because of what I've seen over the last 10 months. And so I remember seeing price increases of $30,000 on new construction within a six month period. And prior to that, I've never like I've never seen it move that fast. I mean, this was rapid. This is 20 now. This is 2018. Right. So this is before COVID, before all the inflation stuff that's new, you know, that's that's recent in our minds. This is before COVID a thirty thousand dollar increase in six months. You got to think about that. If you're buying a house in a neighborhood and you buy at the beginning of the six months and then at the end of the six months, now you're in a house in your same house is being sold for thirty thousand dollars more. You have instant equity. So you're loving that. But the next person that's coming in your neighborhood, they're buying the same house. It's thirty thousand dollars more. So I was observing things like that. Um, I also observed and saw entities that were buying homes all cash. They were buying homes and they were paying, you know, 
98 to 100 percent of the sales price when traditionally if you had cash and you're in the market for real estate if you had cash you go in trying to get a discount hey i got cash uh, there's not going to be any issues with financing i'm not going to make any silly mistakes and and mess up the loan um I want this house, but I'm only going to pay you 90% of what you're asking or 80% of what you're asking. That's typically the discount that kind of came with cash. So during the same period, I'm seeing people, entities, they weren't people. We're going to get into that next. But I, I saw entities buying homes at 98 to 100% of the sales price. And so when they do that, if you are out there looking for a home, you or you know you and your family or spouse or whatever, and you don't have cash, you are immediately at a disadvantage. So again, this is in 2018. Cash, 98, 100% of the sales price is boxing families and people out of getting into home ownership because they couldn't compete. Because if you were selling your house and the same offer came in, one for 100% of the sales price in cash and one 100% as financing, you're going with cash too. Let's not, let's not joke in that like you're not going to do it so that's that's what was happening so um so 2018 we made the decision to purchase again after not being in the house for more than a year um so um so we we kind of casually began to look for what we were going to do so we got ready we got pre-qualified and stuff like that so we started he started beginning to look um in december 2019 we wrote a contract to build um a new home and so that home that we built so now we're we're roughly about two years from the point where i started noticing this stuff and um during that time so it took it took 17 months to build our home because in december 2019 that was right before, you know, actually COVID It's called COVID-19 because that's the year that they discovered, oh, there's COVID. So it started in 2019, but we really didn't like stuff got started to get shut down in March, March 2019. Um, so anyway, uh, 2019, we wrote a contract to buy uh, a new construction home. What should have took about eight months to build took 17 months to build because of COVID and because of supply chain issues and stuff like that. So it just took longer to build the house. But in that time, I noticed the exact same floor plan that was in that we signed a contract to build as that time went on and we we're waiting for our home to be done. They continued to say, sell the same floor plan um, for it, it. It ended up getting about $40,000 more than what we paid for it. Okay. Um, so the exact same floor plan that, so we, we finally get in the home in 17 months, right? And, um, they're still building in the neighborhood. There's, they're finishing up, they're finishing up the neighborhood, but, uh, I have the floor plan that I have, I now have sold, I got to pick my neighbor. Right. I sold the same floor plan I have in my neighborhood, like one street over to two of my clients. So they're buying the same floor plan, exact same floor plan. Only thing different is like the front. It's the same floor plan. Um, we are they are buying that house for about seventy thousand dollars more than what I paid for my house. Right. 
And so this is in a relatively short amount of time, because keep in mind, like my, my price was kind of based on 2019 and this is 2023. Um, but in essentially $70,000 equity for the same house for now, um, we've been in our new house for less than a year and this one's about to close. So, I mean, that's, that's serious, but that, but that phenomenon is called appreciation and appreciation has been happening since the beginning of time. Uh, even though we can only prove it that it started when we started tracking data and statistics and stuff, but appreciation has always been a thing. Appreciation is the value of a financial asset that increases over time. In this case, the home, the increase can occur from a number of different factors, including increased demand, weakened supply or a change in inflation or interest rates. And interestingly enough, all those things happen over the period of time in which we bought our home. Um, the appreciation and value led to us having equity in the home and equity is the difference between how much your home is worth and how much you owe on your mortgage. Right. I know this is basic stuff, but I think when you guys hear the term terminology, it shouldn't sound foreign to you. So equity is the difference between what your home is worth and what you owe on it. Okay. Um, and equity is how you build wealth in real estate. Equity is what increases over time when you own and is not available to you when you rent. Equity is what allows you to purchase a more expensive house and not finance a more expensive loan, i.e. you sell your existing house. You take the equity from the sale because you sold it for more than what you owed on the house and you use that equity to borrow less when you buy a bigger home. OK, um, equity also is what allows you to downsize your home and buy perhaps a smaller home. Um, but immediately gut it and improve it and add a pool or add a backyard landscaping without having to pull cash out of your pocket. Right. So equity is what you build when you own an asset that appreciates in value. And as it appreciates in value, you're also paying down the balance. That is a concept that doesn't happen when you continue to rent. Right. So here's the thing. Um, I'm not really here today to talk to you about equity. I I'm here to stress the fact that there is a time quickly approaching where unless you make a move to get into home ownership, it will get harder and harder. The chasm between the your average income or median income and home prices, it continues to widen. It's not getting any better. And as that chasm widens, there are factors that you need to be aware of um, that are making it more challenging than ever to be a homeowner. So all of that, I am, I've been going for about 23 minutes. All that was to give you a little bit of background and to give you real life experience on why I'm saying this. So hopefully I've painted somewhat of a picture for you. There's a baby crying in the background. I don't know if y'all hear that, but it's, so listen, Here's what I think you guys need to be more on, uh, not worrying about. Here's what I want you to know so that you can make the best decision for yourself and why, why I'm telling you now is the time you need to be in the market to buy a house. Okay. The first is Wall Street. Wall Street has figured out they can guarantee a return on renting single family homes to you. 
they figured out if I buy this home and and rent it to you, I can get a steady rate of return each year. And as the interest rates go up, when they and 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 y'all proved y'all proved them correct. You've proved them correct because as interest rates went up, home buyer sentiment, especially first and second time home buyers, home buyer sentiment kind of like, oh, hold on, it's a little bit too expensive to buy a house. So when rates went up, you guys renewed your lease. And when rates went up, you said, oh, it's not the time to buy right now. The rates are too high because you you have normalized what was a obscure, rare event. You've normalized a two and three percent or four percent interest rate scenario. And that's not normal. And thinking that those days are coming back is not it's it's not coming back in our lifetime. It's not like the series of events that made a two and three percent interest rate happen is not going to happen. Like everybody has COVID fatigue. Uh, I think if another, uh, I don't know, maybe if a flesh eating COVID variant came up or something that was killing everybody, maybe we would see some of the stuff again. But nobody's going back into quarantine. You ain't nobody walking around with masks anymore. Y'all didn't want to get the shots in the first place. Right. So nobody's shutting down the schools. Nobody's like, like I said, it's not in our lifetime again, because the the series of events that had to happen for that to be created, um, which I'll, I'll probably talk about later. But it's, it's not happening in a lifetime. So I, I just I, I really hope you just take my word for it. I will explain some later. But if you're waiting for that, you're going to you're going to be waiting. Um, you're going to be waiting a lifetime. So anyway, you proved them right because as the interest rates went down, you stopped buying and they continue to buy. Now, you remember what I said earlier? And I said when I noticed the entities buying houses all cash, what I did not know at the time is that was Wall Street. I thought it was just mom and pop investors. No, that was a very intentional effort. Wall Street hedge fund cash back plays to own single family real estate. And um, the thing is, so interest rates went up. You guys thought, oh, the market is about to crash. It's obviously at its peak. And these values are going to start to fall, which they they dropped down. again. They dropped down some. Like our values, like it, it leveled out. It needed to level out, right? I mean, in 2020 and 2021, on average, real estate values went up at least here. Like on average, twenty percent both years. So in two years, forty percent increase in value. That had to stop. Like that was unsustainable. Um, we can't go up in, in values every year twenty percent at a time. So the fact that real estate values stop going up, that little bit gets showed as like, oh, that's you know, it's negative news. Like the housing market is losing value. Home values are down two percent from a year ago today okay that's good because it had to stop we could not we could not sustain 20 percent increase in values a year so that wasn't necessarily a a bad thing um but while you guys stopped buying wall street continued to buy and um if they continued to buy um my point to you is real estate you think real estate's at its peak 
But what if it's really not? My opinion is um, because real estate is a marketplace, real estate goes up and down in value on the way up at all times. And you can go back from the beginning of time and it will prove me to be right. Real estate has always increased in value. Now, if you look at it from certain time periods, if you look at real estate from 2005 to 2008 and stop it there, it looks like it went down in value. But if you go from 2005 to 2023, real estate has gone up in value. Real estate goes up in value. It goes up and down in value on its way up. Point blank period. I hope that sinks in. Uh, But my point is Wall Street now knows that um, you guys get squeamish as interest rates get higher and they continue to buy up inventory. And um, I will tell you why they're doing that a little bit later. Uh, In addition to Wall Street, here's the second thing. I buyers, I buyers, some of which are still Wall Street. They're buying single family homes as an asset class. And there are some dominant players that are doing this and they're doing it very intentional uh, with the same premise of why Wall Street is buying it. Um, But they have gone to um, builders that build single family homes. Like think about a neighborhood wherever you are, that builder building homes for you to live in. They have gone directly to those builders and said, build us, we'll, we'll buy the entire neighborhood. Entire neighborhoods are being built for the single purpose of being sold to an investor who is going to then rent that house to you. Okay, and so you also have to realize that when they do this in a way, they're not doing it at uh, a one off like they're buying whole communities. Right. They can control rents. If if a builder said I'm building this neighborhood is 50 houses. Oh, we'll take them all. Oh, okay. Well, that, yeah, that works out. So now they got 50 homes that they're going to rent to you, and they're controlling the rent in those 50 homes. They're brand new, so you should probably get a pretty good rental rate if you buy a brand new home and it doesn't need anything. It looks very nice. It's got the updated amenities. You're going to be paying a premium. Um, but as with, with housing being scarce and you have all the supply in this area, they can charge what they want. That's why rental prices have gone up so i'm just giving you an example of them buying a community but on average like i know each year it, it increases and i think the the figure i remember from 2021 in 2021 i think 15 percent of all real estate sales were through iBuyers and like wall street there were corporate entities buying so i know it increased in 2022 i don't know if we have a stat yet or uh, I just don't have it, but I know it's increased from 15% to more and it continues to increase. Okay. So that's the second thing. So all these are, re- these are reasons why I think the urgency should be there and hopefully it all starts to make sense. Right. The third thing, there's a shortage of housing. That shortage has existed since 2009. What's important about 2009 2008 is when we've had the last real estate related kind of crash that, you know, the market crash and it was kind of due to real estate. Um, so in in 2008, before the market crash, this country was producing about 10 million new construction homes every year. That's what was being put 
into the marketplace. That's for the country. After that crash, we've never even remotely come back to that level. On average, since that crash, this country has been adding three to four million new construction homes to the market every year. So since 2009, you can make an argument we had too many homes in 2008. You, you could, right? The demand was still there. They were being bought. But okay, let's make that argument. We had a little bit too many homes in 2000, 2008. But 2009, we never returned to those levels. So when you look at it from that arc of history, we started to be in a housing shortage in 2009. That only came to a head about 10 years later, right? 10 years later is that like when I noticed these, what I thought were mom and pop investors buying homes at all cash. But um, that sh shortage of housing started there because we never replaced the new construction level, new construction homes that we had. And so that means more resale, resale homes were being sold to the people that want because demand continued. So d resale homes were being sold and new construction never caught up. And so, um, like I said, we never got back to the 10 million, 10 million home level. We're about three to 4 million homes that we add every year. And so I'm just, I'm just tracing the shortage back to 2009. So you can get the whole picture. But 10 years later, we still have a shortage in, and, and, and we have a shortage housing um, supply problem. And with the peers of historically low interest rates, like we had in 2020 and 2021, when demand was even why was demand stronger? Interest rates were lower. Everybody could afford more. Demand was stronger. Interest rates were low. There's no supply. We never rebounded from the new construction homes that we needed. All the resales were gone. And during that time, y'all remember, or even you remember, you heard stories of sellers getting the outrageous things for their houses. They were outrageous. They, like sellers, they would list the price. They would their houses are for sale, four hundred fifty thousand dollars. They get that offer. That first hour is listed, and they're like, "No, we're just gonna wait and see if something better comes in." Like I don't know if you consider that outrageous, but it's like, "Oh, right, you got what you want." You know what they were waiting on? They were waiting on a twenty to thirty thousand dollar offer above that. That was either cash or did not have an appraisal contingency. So they knew they were going to get the whole thing. Like that's where we were. And that only was able to happen because there was not any other choices. There were no other available homes for a buyer to select from. There were far and few in between. And I'm telling you, you can trace that back to us never having a level of new construction to give buyer options. So there's a housing shortage. OK, hopefully that is cemented in your mind. Um, also going to another reason why I think it's there's urgency. Golden handcuffs. Hold on, I need a sip of my yak. See, that's the studio audience. She's in the background laughing. OK, golden handcuffs. That's, that's the next thing. What are golden handcuffs? It's a term used to describe millions of homeowners that refinance their mortgage loan between 2020 and 2021. And, and they went from a higher rate loan to a two and 3% loan. 
And it's a golden handcuff because, as I said before, this is something that's not coming again in our lifetime. I just, I mean, I guess, yeah, anything could happen. If the zombie apocalypse happens, maybe we'll get to two or three percent again. But I don't see us getting that. So people took advantage of this rare opportunity to lower their cost of money so incredibly low that they are never going to sell that home again. You wouldn't sell either if you had a two or three percent rate. And what these folks did during a time, like I just said, we needed the housing because we didn't have new construction to balance us out. And that's why sellers were saying, I'm waiting for the twenty and thirty thousand dollar over asking offer. During that time when we needed more homes and these people in golden handcuffs could have gotten premiums for their home, they refinanced. And they refinanced, they lowered their payment by probably thousands of dollars, some of them, and borrowed more money. Picture someone, nice home, let's, say, let's call it $300,000 home. Um, that's what they bought it for. Their balance is like $220,000 now. They refinanced their home, dropped their payment by 800 bucks, borrowed additional 70, borrowed additional $100,000 totally renovated the house put new floors in painted renovated the kitchen and the bathroom dropped a pool in the backyard and added a porch and a deck that surrounds the pool they did all that and their payments lower than what they started with that's why it's called golden handcuffs because you don't leave that okay and so that means those homes are not going to be available on the market anytime soon possibly in our lifetime, because they have no reason to leave. They're very comfortable in a renovated house with a very comfortable payment. And so that inventory is not coming back. So now we got new construction that's not catching up. We got people in golden handcuffs that are not selling. So when they get ready to buy something again, they're going to rent that. Guess who they're going to rent it to? They're going to rent it to you, but they're not selling it. Right? So, um, some of those folks now they've turned into unintentional landlords because it seemed like a really good idea at the time but you know if they do want to do something else they're faced with oh gosh now i've got to um get into this market where there's not a lot of inventory like i don't even like what's available because there's not enough for sale so i'm just going to stay here which it perpetuates the problem right so i wanted you guys to know about that hopefully i'm building a case here because these are all the reasons why it's urgent. Hopefully you're starting to see why it's urgent. Here's another thing I want you guys to know. Uh, new construction permits. New construction permits. So before you get ready to build, you have to, whatever city, county, municipality you're a part of, you've got to get a permit issued that's saying, hey, I'm going to build a house here. I'm going to build a grocery store here, blah, blah, blah. Um, you can track in your, your newspaper or wherever you are, they track new construction permits. Well, guess what? Excuse me. Uh, each month, new construction permits for single family homes, it falls. New construction, new construction permits have fallen every month. Um, don't ask me to go back. If you don't hold me to it, let's just say last 12 months, but they've been falling. You know what has been increasing? What what category of new construction permits have been increasing? Multifamily. What is multifamily? Apartments. 
Okay. So now, now here's what I want you to do. I want you to follow the money. Rent, whatever you're renting right now, if you were to buy it, you probably could buy it for at least what you're paying in rent or maybe a little bit below. Okay. So we know rent is high. So when I say follow the money, investors, home builders, the people that are, that are, that are doing this, they know they get more bang for their buck if they put their investments in new construction. So the inventory that we did not have that I just explained never returned from levels from 2008, right? Now, what limited new construction inventory we had, the focus is on multifamily. There, you are being forced into a nation of renters. Hopefully, I'm painting an image for you, right? So... The inventory was already low on new construction. Golden handcuffs are keeping resale opportunities from being on the market. And now the few new construction that you do have is going to turn into apartments. And as I said before, investors are going to the people that build single family homes and getting them to build entire neighborhoods for them. And now those same construction firms and single family like they're they're just building they're just going to build apartments from where I'm from where I'm recording right now in my office less than 2 miles away probably the biggest builder in our state would you say mungo was i mean mungo and somebody bought mungo i forgot who bought mungo uh, about 2 years ago yeah mungo's one of the, they have mungo in the front of their neighborhood uh, like the neighborhood, all the neighbor, the neighborhood's called Ashcroft, but there's a section of Ashcroft that just has townhomes, and those townhomes are only rentals. So they do have single family kind of in a part of the neighborhood, but the townhome side that Mungo built, they didn't build the townhomes for single for purchase. They built it as a rental. Why? Because they're following the money, right? So that's another point I want you to hopefully the urgency is building. You're listening to this and you're like, God dang, James, you're 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 right. Right. This is kind of why adulting is hard. But you you just need to you just need to know. Um, another thing I want you to know um, why I think it's urgent. This one is this, this one's your mindset, your mindset. You thought it was too difficult to purchase eight years ago. And it was, you know, since then, you've just renewed your lease for seven times and complained as the price increased and you've done nothing about it that's just you 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 need to have an urgency about why you're so um you know why why are you so complacent about staying like no, no, i'm gonna tell you this ain't nothing gonna get you out of that complacency like when you get that notice that rent's going up 500 bucks now that's gonna get your butt in gear Okay, but your mindset is one of the reasons why this is happening to you as well, because you said, hey, I want to be a homeowner. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And since then, you renewed at least seven times. Your mindset's a problem, too. Um, another another one I want you to know about slower wage growth, especially compared to the rate at which home prices have increased. It's no secret at all that um, we've watched the price of everything increase. Um, and so, you know, the inflation and stuff that we, we've been dealing with when everybody was talking about the price of eggs, which have come down a little bit, but everything got more expensive 
for the most part, your incomes did not like our incomes did not rise in proportion to what everything um, increased. So um, goods and services, price of eggs, cars, but also real estate. Um, I, I just want you to, in, unless you're going to make a move, unless you have a plan of doing something like, you know, are, are, are you are you in school? Do you have a plan? Are you on a career track? Yes. Your your income is not going to stay where it, it it doesn't have to stay where it is. But I, I need you to be aware that the rate at which everything else is rising is outstripping your capacity to buy if your wage growth does not increase too. Um, and there, there's advice I gave some of my clients during 2020 and 2021 when this was happening rapidly. And I said, look, sis, I'm going I'm to I'm talk to you like you, you're my sister right now. I said, for what you do, you probably could get paid a lot more to just go do that somewhere else because people need people need employees. Like we need a we need a workforce. And if you're not being paid your worth, just you can go do it somewhere else. Like you may not even have to retrain right now to go do something. You could just get paid more. I said, you need to make a move because you, you can't buy a house right now. But if you made more money, you could. Right. And sometimes it's an income problem. Sometimes it's an expense problem. Sometimes y'all just have too much debt. Right. And I know that's hard too. That's not for this podcast, but that's just slower wage growth. You need to understand that too. Um, all these are reasons why I say you shouldn't stay put. Um, and why you should have some urgency. I see the opportunity for home ownership becoming more and more challenging in the future. Um, I see it becoming reserved for those that have substantial means, incomes, and salaries. I can even see a future where those that have the ability to purchase, I see I see a future where those that have a home are the only ones that have the ability to purchase again because of the equity that they've accumulated by being in real estate. I see areas, zip codes, um, where it could ultimately get more and more expensive, drastically limiting where first time home buyers can purchase. And um, our kids had spring break over the week last week and uh, we were in Washington, D.C. And, you know, that's one of the areas where if you were I mean, if you're a first time home buyer in Washington, D.C., where the median home price is six hundred thousand dollars. I mean, it, it depends what you do in Washington, D.C., but I mean, the barrier to entry is a lot higher there compared to where I'm at in South Carolina, which shout out to South Carolina. If you want a good cost of living down here, listen, I'm, you want to talk to me, but where a median home price here may be three hundred thousand dollars. Right. Your barrier to entry is a lot lower here. Now, here's the thing. Eight years ago, because I talked about you renewing your 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 lease for the last seven years. Eight years ago, it was lower and you didn't do it eight years ago because you felt like you had all these challenges to overcome and all the stuff you had to do. And you need to work on your credit. You need to do this. Guess what? You still got to do all those things. And it's, it's a little bit more challenging now. But if you do not start on a plan to help you get there, you're going to be here another eight years. OK, um, there's a move towards a rental countries to make this a country full of rent rentals and you will not have options if you do not understand the urgency if you've listened to the earlier points that i made and um and that i mentioned you can start to put together that syst systematically 
you may not have any other option. With Wall Street groups buying single family real estate at times representing 20 to 35 percent of purchases in an areas because they did track that. There are some areas that they knew that these entities bought up 20 to 35 percent of all the homes over the course of a year. Right. And they're doing it to take available inventory away from you. If you have a dream of home ownership, they're taking the ability away from you. So you have to rent from them. So you're limited in your options in purchasing and you're going to have to rent from them. They know that when interest rates get higher, there's a pause in home buyer confidence because of the higher rates. They can keep purchasing, continuing to remove inventory away from you. They know that even if you were on the market looking for a home and the homes that you look over because of the age or cosmetic issues or any problems, really, they know um, they know that you're going to overlook those homes because of just excuse me. How's it is because of your makeup? Like I said earlier, you we tend to be an instant gratification generation. But that's also why I just gave you some background of the, the first house the second house that i purchased it needed foundation work it needed painting it needed acs it needed all that stuff but they know the houses that you look over and want to be picky about they're still going to buy them fix those and make it available to, to you as a rental right when they buy all the houses in a single family community they control those rental prices so with enough inventory in the area where you control rental prices means you are subject to whatever they want to charge you for the rental rate. Truth is you need a house. You don't need the house. You just need a house. You need to own the place where you live, lay, lay your head and make your food. You need to be in a house where after you make the payment each month, your balance for what you owe goes down. The type of home where in three to five years, it will appreciate in value and be worth more than what you bought it for. It's fine to look for a home in a certain school district or close to work or other important things like that. Um, but it's not okay to turn down a home or be so picky because of like, no lie. This wasn't me. So, you know, if my clients are listening, I'm not talking about you. This was somebody else, but they turned down the home because the master bedroom would not fit their furniture. And this was last year and they are still without a home. Right. Um, and so, you know, I understand it's a big purchase. It is what I'm trying to stress to you is that it's more important that you get in a home the first or second time around where you can benefit so you can get the type of home that you ultimately want, maybe the second or third or fourth time around. But to turn because in that example, I just gave you. That person that did not buy the home because the master bedroom wouldn't fit her furniture. One, I think she should have just got new furniture. She just sold that furniture, get new furniture. But the time that she, that time that she did not, she was not in the home. Um, home values increased another 20, 30%. And so the type of home that she could afford then is now, it's not the same. She can't afford the same home now because prices increased and interest rates increased over bedroom furniture. Right. I just use that as an example. But there are other factors that you guys critique so much when the truth of the matter is you need a home. It doesn't have to be a perfect home. It doesn't have to be the home. I made sacrifices in the home that I got. And I got a pretty nice home this time around, but I still had to make concessions. Um, so 
uh, I noticed. Um, I think, I, yeah, I just talked about that. I don't, I don't want to beat that to death. Let me get some more of my yak. For real, it's it's coffee. It's not. It's not. <laughs> it's not yak. Oh, I'm trying to make sure I hit my, my points because um, I'm making a case. I feel like I'm a lawyer in a courtroom just making an argument and I'm trying to motivate you. Um, mm-hmm. Looking through my notes. I'm going to edit this part. It's probably not even going to be on here because what are we? I'm going to write that down 52 minutes in so I know to edit. Not the part about the, lack, the yak though. I'm going to leave that in. Oftentimes, the equity from the first home uh, helps and allows you to get into the next one. Uh, or the first house becomes a rental with monthly income each month from a tenant. And by delaying, you are not getting into the real estate market based on someone else's past experience or what you are thinking is going to happen to the, to the market. Or better yet, this one, you're waiting. if you're waiting on the market to crash, or do what it did in 2008, you, you're going to be waiting for a long time. Um, this isn't the same dynamic situation, market, circumstances, anything totally different from the last time. So I knew this was going to come up. So I'm just going to break it down and then I'm going to let you go. I'm going to let you go. I appreciate you still being here. But here's why. For those of you that said, I'm just going to I'm going to wait until the market crashes again. And I'm going to buy then. Here's why I think that's not going to happen. Okay. In 2008, right before the market crash, what we experienced was a very, very poor mortgage underwriting criteria. Um, what do I mean by that? There were millions of loans being done. Like anybody could get a mortgage. You could get a mortgage and you could lie and they would not verify your lie. They had loans called stated income and stated assets. Those loans were rampant. What does stated income mean? Stated income means you state what you say your income is, and we're just going to write that down. That means stated. Stated assets mean how much money do you have in the bank? Oh, $100,000? Okay, that's what she stated, so I'm going to write that down. What happens now? They verify income. They verify assets. You have to provide bank statements. You have to provide W-2. You have to do a, a verification of employment. Those loans were rampant in 2008. That means people were getting homes by just saying, hey, I, you know, I, I, yeah, I work. Yeah, I make $100,000. Um, you know what they were also doing? The other thing that was rampant, adjustable rate mortgages were rampant. Adjustable rate mortgage is it's uh, so right now, if you're, you know, there's still arms out there now. Arms is an acronym for adjustable rate mortgage. But most of the time you're getting a 30 or a 15 year fixed rate mortgage, right? Your interest rate is locked for 15 years. You'll pay it off over 15 years or 30 years and the interest rate doesn't change. Well, adjustable rate mortgage, the interest rate can change over periods of time. So it just depends if it's a it could be a five one or a three one or a ten one or whatever. So you may have a locked interest rate for a period of time. And then after that period of time, your rate can adjust. And so one of the other things that made 2008 unique 
is because there were no verification of income or assets, so everybody was getting a home, and they were getting these adjustable rate mortgages that start off at a low interest rate, and then they went up over time. And over time, as those interest rates went up, people could no longer afford the payment they were making because they lied about the income in the first place. They lied about the income. They didn't have good credit. They didn't have good spending habits. And so they got into these homes with you know, three and a half percent down, if that, because there was down payment assistance available then, too, because I bought my first home with down payment assistance. Um, and so people walked away from these homes because they didn't have enough invested. They're like, I lied about everything. I'm just I'm going to walk away from it. So that is now that is that is a very shortened version of events of what happened. But that is what created what a lot of people and you guys that are talking about it, you've only heard about it. Like I'm trying to I lived through it. You heard about the times when 2008 when people refer back to it. Um, that that series of events is what allowed that to happen. OK. Um, and it, it was is, is more to it, but I'm trying to keep it concise. But a lot of people had no business getting loans and all those loans that I talked about, they were secured with the real estate. And when they walked away from it or when the bank took it, that's when they made it available. And that's why you you probably know you probably know your uncle got a house for, you know, fifty thousand dollars. That's worth two hundred thousand dollars a day. That's that's what happened. So let me contrast that with where we are today. Um, if you're getting a home today, I'm trying to find out where I'm on my notes, but if, if you're getting a home today, you no, let's not even say today. If you bought a home during COVID 2020, 2021, you also have to realize what was happening in 2020 and 2021, right? Um, during that time, um, during the first start of, part of COVID, we, we were losing like a million jobs a month. You remember when we, when everybody got locked down and we were in a house and you know, you were getting your groceries from Instacart and you were getting Uber eats cause you were afraid to go out at that time. People were laying off 1 million jobs were lost every month during that time. Banks and mortgage companies, they increased their credit requirement. They made it more they made it more difficult to get a loan. They raised the credit minimum, the score minimum. Right. And um, and also during that time. Um, if you still had a job because we were losing a million jobs a month um, when the bank did their underwriting, um, you know, you still had a job, you had an increased credit score. And because of this inventory shortages, the marketplace was, hey, if you wanted a home, you were typically paying above asking. You were waiving appraisal contingencies, So you were paying the price, even if it didn't appraise. You were incentivizing the seller to go ahead and move and I'll pay your closing costs, too. So you had a stricter, more stringent underwriting environment so only well qualified people with jobs in it in an economy that was losing a million jobs a month only well qualified buyers with higher credit scores with cash to incentivize sellers and pay appraisal gaps and do all this stuff that's who was buying the homes in 2020 and 2021 
as opposed to these no these stated income stated assets um adjustable rate mortgages that was prevalent in 2008 you had quality buyers quali- qualified credit worthy buyers buying homes in 2020 and 2021 okay and so also during that time in uh, the uh appreciation had like 20 percent each year the homes are worth 40 percent more at the end of that two-year period where these well-qualified buyers bought a home okay it's, right so even if you anticipate or think that some kind of market correction is coming and that is going to, uh, you know, we're going to have a 2008 again. Oh, okay. I'll give you, I will entertain that from you. So let's say you have a correction. Remember I said interest rate goes, I mean, real estate goes up and down on its way up. Let's say you have a correction, but that correction is only 10 or 15%. Let's even say 20%. Let's a 20% correction. Values fall down across the board, 20%. Okay. In the last two years, on average, there was a 40% increase. And that's just in the last two years. If you own the home before the last two years, it's not 40%. It's a lot more. So what you think might be coming is not really coming because the environment's not the same. The same. The statistics are not the same. The underwriting was not the same. Um, it's not the same as 2008. People have options. If they cannot afford those houses before they'll let the bank take them because of the equity that's in it, they can sell it. So if that's you, raise your hand. I'll help you sell it. You do not have to go through a foreclosure when you have equity in a home. You can sell it and probably make money. Okay. But that's for those of you that think that it's the same or that's going to happen again. I gave you a 20% correction. I can give you a 25% correction. I still don't think it's going to happen. Okay. Will foreclosures still happen? Yes. Foreclosures will still happen at the rate of 2008. No. Right. So share it with your friends as waiting for the next market crash. Uh, Hopefully it made sense. I don't think it's happening. Um, I certainly wouldn't hold my breath. Um, Well, what happens if what happens, James, what happens if I buy a home during a period of time and the market does go down 25 percent? Great. Right. if you buy it while the market's down 25%, that's what you wanted anyway. You wanted a home at a discounted price. Great. That's what you wanted. If you own a home during a period of time when the market's down, don't sell it. Don't sell it if at all possible when the market's down. So does, does it really matter if the market's down and I'm not trying to sell my house? No. Doesn't matter a bit. Your rate is fixed. Your payment is fixed. And if the market changes, it really doesn't affect you. So it's not the it's not that the market was down and I still own a house and I can't sell it. It's whether or not you choose to sell the home when the market goes down. The real estate market has its ups and, da- ups and downs on the way up. I've said that before. It's profound. Hopefully you think about it and just like, you know what, James, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I know... You've heard stories about your parents and they've told, you know, your parents, maybe your grandparents, they told you they bought a house for $40,000 in the 60s and now the house is worth $400,000 or to make it current for this market. 2009 um, is when you could have bought houses for under $125,000 and $400,000. 
Um, I mean, it, 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 no, to make it current, if you in 2019, a house that you could buy for under $125,000 and now they're selling for $250,000 in both instances between the time that they purchased and the time that they chose to sell their value fluctuated. It went up and down on its way up. But the entire time of fluctuation, the real estate value was increasing. So don't get left holding the rental bag and be trapped in this rental cycle. You need to get a plan together to get you into home ownership. Uh, you need to make an action plan that's specific to you because what worked for someone else may not work for you. You probably can't do this entirely by yourself or you would not have renewed your lease for seven consecutive years. Um, you need to enlist the help of a, of a professional, get help from a local realtor member, wherever you're listening. Uh, if you need a recommendation for finding a realtor in your area, reach out to the show. Um, I'm a licensed realtor. I'll connect you with someone that can help in whatever state that you're in. Um, if you're listening, email the show at adultingishardgs at gmail.com. So it's adultingishardgeez. Um, send me an email and uh, with your location, name, contact information, and, and we'll connect you with a realtor in your area. But I hope that this show helps explain the urgency that I see. I really, truly think it's an urgency. And hopefully, hopefully you agree with me um, that waiting is not something you should continue to do. I think waiting is hurting you in the long run. And if you don't get in the market today, you may not be able to get into it tomorrow. So with that, I'm out. I will talk to you guys next time. Thank you for joining us on Adulting is Hard. Make sure to subscribe, like, and follow the podcast to stay connected on all of our social media platforms. Follow us on Instagram at Adulting is Hard Podcast or on Facebook at Adulting is Hard. If you have an adulting topic you'd like to discuss, email us at adultingishardgees at gmail.com. That's adultingishardgeez at gmail.com. See you next time.